Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard meh. My name is Mike Dinius. If you don't know me, I'm one of the guys that is up here. And welcome to Greater Alton Church this morning. If it's your first time, sit back, relax. Hopefully God has something to give you through me today. Um, we are in the middle of a sermon series called This Is Us. And before we jump into today's sermon, there's a few things I want to let you know about. First, I did this last week. I'm going to do it again. December 24th is Christmas Eve. There will not be a morning service. There will be a candlelight service at 6 p.m. There will not be a morning service on December 24th. We will be here at 6 p.m. An actual candlelight service with either digital powered candles or we could give all the children flames and let them run around. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Miles. Also, to let you know, on January 7th, we will have our next year's here brunch. It'll be catered by Julia's uh, Catering Company. We'll be here. Breakfast will start around 10, and service will start around 11, and there's more info coming because there is a cost of breakfast, but we will let you know more about that as we get near. Just keep your eye open for that information. I don't know if you've noticed, but we have a guest with us this morning. He's been checking us out. We've been checking him out. His name is TK. He's pretty cool. Hi, TK. I'm calling you out. Yeah, that happened. Uh, if you haven't got to meet him, get to meet him before he like runs out the door as soon as we're done. He's going to bolt. So just uh, get to know him if you can. Um, like I said, we're in a sermon series called This Is Us. Uh, it's about being the church what the church of Jesus should look like, and specifically Greater Alton. Because I said last week, we can't control the church. The church is huge. It's bigger than this place. But we are a part of the church as Greater Alton. We're God's local family in this building. And what does Greater Alton look like as the family of God? And we've been talking about building the church of Jesus and being us. We've looked at uh, the greatest place to be. Tim started off with talking about that. We've looked at membership, we've looked at worship, and we've looked at ministry. Last week, I started a uh, a lesson called Room to Grow. It's actual, not title this week. I'm sad. It should have said title, Tom. Um, but that was awesome. But uh, this is the second half of Room to Grow. We're talking about maturity. We're talking about maturity. And we started last week looking at the riddle of the Sphinx. The riddle of the Sphinx goes, what has four legs in the morning, two at noon, and three in the evening? And we talked about how that's man. In the morning of our life, we're crawling on all fours. In the noon of our life, we're walking on two. And in the evening of our life, we need a little help. we got a cane. We're walking on three legs. And it's just the idea of we're supposed to grow and we're supposed to mature. We're not supposed to stay babies. We're not supposed to stay toddlers or infants. We're supposed to grow up. Now, I don't know about you guys, but growing up scares me. I don't want to grow up. Some of you are like, Mike, you're 41. You kind of have to. I'm like, yes, I have responsibility, but, you know, I don't want to be that crusty guy, right? I don't want to be, you kids, stop playing on my lawn. I want to still have fun with it, right? And you can. I don't think growing up should mean you don't have fun. But there are some maturity aspects to our life. And last week we started looking at this, this idea of the Christian growth chart and where it starts. Last week we started, the first point is birth. It's on your notes. We filled in the first two blanks for you since we already covered it. By the way, if it's your first time here, there was bulletins and then there's some notes to follow along with. It, that way you know what I'm talking about. Um, but we talked about birth and every Christian starts their maturity level at birth. That means we're born again. And we looked at John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, and we looked at 1 John chapter 5 where he talks about we're born of the water. Nicodemus was confused. He said, do I need to crawl up in my mom's womb again and be born again? And Jesus was like, whoa, 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 no, no, your mom would not appreciate that. It's not what Jesus said, but you know he was thinking it. And uh, no, we got to be born of the spirit and of water because flesh cannot give birth to the spirit and spirit cannot give birth to flesh. We have to be born again. So... A Christian lays their life down for Christ at baptism. They die. They're united with him. We looked at Romans where it talks about we're united with Christ in his death at baptism. And when we come out of the waters of baptism, we're united with him in his life because he died 
He conquered death. He resurrected from the dead. And at baptism, we're united with that power, and we are born again. And that is the most amazing thing. I talked about how our Christian life starts at a mountaintop. And I know I'm going a mile a minute right now. There's a reason I'm going a mile a minute, so I can have more time to talk later. And if you want to hear more about this lesson, you can go to greateraltonchurch.com, and you can look up previous sermons. Not just mine. All of them are on there, and you can listen to them. And we talked about how important it was to be born again and to be united with Christ. The second, the second stage we talked about was solid food. When babies are born, they drink milk. But they don't continually drink milk. How many moms here would not appreciate their 10-year-old still drinking just milk? That's weird. That's weird. We've seen videos of, you need to stop doing that with your kid. That's a little awkward. Kids got to grow up. They got to start eating food. I talked about how I like chocolate milk. I love chocolate milk. But I really like a good steak. Really like a good steak. And spiritually, we have to stop just drinking milk. And what I talked about is milk was the elementary teaching. So at some point, Christians study the Scripture. They, they l watch another Christian live. And they see what's going on in their life. And they're like, I want that. And they get born again. But at Greater Alton, we study the Scripture out with you. It's not just like, in the water. But so you know what you're doing. And we study out what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be baptized, what it means to seek God, how important his word is. And we look at scripture that way. And that's the elementary teachings that scripture talks about. That's really good to start on that milk. But we can't just stay there. We can't just keep studying the same verses. It's good to look at them. It is very good to look at them. I still go over the studies every once in a while. We do it like once a year at least, me and Cassie do. Just so we know those scriptures. Last week, we were studying with Kara, and we were talking about the Word, and I said, okay, open up to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and she's like, Dad, you don't have a Bible. You're right, I don't. Open up to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Am I going to read it? No, I'm going to read it. Dad, you don't have a Bible. It's, it's right here. It's right here. The, the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, and she's like, how do you know that? It's an elementary teaching, my daughter. Eventually, you will have it written on your heart. You should by now, but you don't. It's fine. Those are the elementary teachings. I can't just stay there, though. i got to keep studying. And I made the point that you guys wouldn't want me up here if all I did was study what it means to seek God. What it means to seek God. You know, if I read Matthew 6, 33, over and over and over again, that's the only thing I read, you wouldn't want me up here preaching because I'm still on the elementary teachings. we got to move on and we got to start eating solid food. That spiritual steak is waiting for you. Medium medium rare well done there's the door no no it's fine you can have your wrong opinion um but we have to eat that spiritual food so that we can get stronger it prepares us to start crawling it prepares us to start being mobile it prepares us to walk on our own and that's going to bring us to our next point our next stage the third stage is walking walking the moment when every parent realizes their life is over. The moment when your record player gets destroyed. That's a very specific thing. That happened. Um, I, I got a record player, and it, it still sits low. I didn't learn my lesson, but it sits low underneath our TV. I love listening to records. There's something about it, you know. you got to get up every 15 minutes and flip it and change it. But when our children got mobile, and I forget which one it was. I want to say Cara. I'm just going to blame her for it because she's not in here. Um, she's out and back helping the kids. They got mobile, and they saw a cord. And, and oh, still works. It's just, you know, you know how that is. It works, but I still get to listen to records. But mobile children change your life. And I told you guys last week, at every one of these points, there's going to be three categories we fall into. We're either not there yet, in the middle of it, or through it. And for those of us that have been through this, there are people around us that are in the middle of it. You can't leave a toddler unsupervised. You can't leave one of these itty-bitties that are running around unsupervised. They're going to get into something. We have sisters and brothers around us that are just learning to walk. They're going to need help. They're going to need help walking and learning how to walk. They're going to need some guidance. People are going to fall. People are going to bump their head. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But the third step is walking. Let's look at Galatians 
chapter 5, verse 16, starting in 16. It says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. All right, so I don't usually do this. Tim does it a lot. But I'm going to have you circle some stuff in this passage. So if you go back, in the first verse, in verse 16, it says, walk by the Spirit. Circle, walk by the Spirit. In verse 18, it says, led by the Spirit. Circle, led by the Spirit. And in verse 25, it says, live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. There's a whole sermon right there called by the Spirit. Whole sermon that I don't have time to jump into. But it's obviously talking about walking with the spirit it's obviously so walk by the spirit led by the spirit live by the spirit keep in step with the spirit we're walking we're walking with god we're walking with his spirit think about the time when you were little and you had to cross a street or go through a parking lot what happened mom or dad said give me your hand give me your hand they didn't let you play in traffic they, they guided you. They walked with you. They didn't just let you run off into danger. They were right there with you. And God is right there with us when we're walking with his spirit. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God has prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We are created for good works, prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. In 1 John uh, starting in the second half of verse 5, it says, By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the way in which He walked. Jesus led that path for us. He, he bushwhacked that path. He walked that path for us. And we should walk in step with Him. And we should walk with Him. We grow in life from being carried to crawling to walking. And the same is true spiritually. During the, the men's retreat, Brian Alford talked about first and second-hand faith. Gary brought it up a couple weeks ago, too. It was a really good point. I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, when I became a Christian, I had been influenced by other Christians. Their faith influenced me. Their faith caused me to look at my own and be like, uh, I have a problem in my life. I need to do something about this. You could say I was having second-hand faith, but at some point, I need to have that first-hand faith. There's got to be a reason for me personally to give my life to Christ and to believe that he is Lord and Savior of my life and to walk in step with his spirit. I need to develop that firsthand faith. And that's walking. That's walking. It's a journey. You don't just walk in place. I mean, unless you want to get some weird exercise. You don't just walk in place. Walking is very intentional. Um, somebody's going to watch the movie soon. It's one foot in front of the other. That's a Christmas movie, right? Yeah. Yep. Sheila's rocking out. Walking is very intentional. If it wasn't intentional, it would be called wandering and ask the Israelites how good that goes. Walking is very intentional. I am not saying that walking will always be easy. Or that you're never going to fall. Or that you're never going to get hurt just walking. Some of us have just walked and, oh, what just happened? I just blew out a tire. I don't know. Things happen. I get it. People fall. People bump their heads. Little kids. I mean, just watching little kids be mobile. Mobile. I was talking to Kelsey this morning about how when I was four, I fell down the stairs. 
that happened. And I turned out, okay. Uh, yeah, maybe. But there's, there's something to it. There's this one foot in front of the other. There's an intentional direction with walking. When we go for a walk around our neighborhood, we know where we're going. There's a loop that we trek. We either go right out of our driveway or left out of our driveway. That's, we know where we're going. When the girls want to play in the forest, they have a general direction of where they're going. There used to be paths. I didn't get out there last summer. I'm going to use some heavy equipment and clear some good paths soon. It's going to be awesome. But they're going to have a general direction of where they're going. What does walking spiritually actually look like, though? Well, you're getting involved. You're developing your faith. Walking might look like you're serving in a ministry. After I got baptized, I, I was approached like, hey, we need some help out in the parking lot. Me and Gary were out in the parking lot like every Sunday, waving at people, telling them where to park, being completely ignored, right? <laughs> but we were out there waving and smiling. And uh, there was somebody else in charge of that ministry. And I just was like, all I got to do is point and be ignored and smile. Yeah, I can do that. I did that for a while. I served in the campus ministry for a while. I served in the youth ministry for a while. I opened doors. I've washed windows. I've stuffed bulletins. Mike, that doesn't sound like walking. Trust me. There's a spiritual aspect to everything. Yesterday... I start Christmas every year the same way. We start Christmas in my house. I hate Christmas music before the first Saturday of December. Despise it. I'm a Grinch. But the first Saturday of every December, I get up early and I pack up my camera equipment and it's the only day of the year I do photography anymore. I've retired from photography. It's the only day of the year. So don't even ask me to do family pictures. I'll tell you no. But I get up and I drive to Staunton and I take pictures of Santa with kids who can't go get pictures with Santa. And I do it for free. So next year, first Saturday, December, if you have friends that you want to Santa pictures, it's free. Come up to Staunton. Um, I took over 400 pictures yesterday, and after I whittled it down, it ended up being 177. And I, I, I took all these pictures, and there's kids who don't have much. And they get to tell Santa what they want. And I love hearing the weird requests. This year's number one weird request, this little boy got on Santa's lap and he was like, what do you want for Christmas, little boy? A bottle of ranch. We live in the Midwest, folks. But I get to do that. That's how I start Christmas. And you're like, Mike, did you talk about Jesus? No, I did not talk about Jesus. I took pictures. Did you invite anybody to church? No, I did not invite anybody to church. I took pictures. Well, you can't, that's not spiritual. I was praying for every single kid that I was taking pictures of. I got to talk to Santa about how I was going to be up here preaching in the morning. And he's like, that's awesome. The Lord is working. And I was like, amen. Ministry is spiritual. It may not feel spiritual at the time, but there are spiritual implications. And if I'm walking in step with the Spirit and serving in a ministry, I'm going to be growing. My walk is going to get stronger. Other ways that we can walk. We can sit in on a study. You don't even have to lead a study to be walking. You can sit in on one. Uh, there, I, within a week of being baptized, I was sitting in on a study. I was sitting in on a study. Within a year of being baptized, I was leading studies. There are people in this room that I have studied with that have gotten baptized who have now studied with other people and have baptized other people. It's disciples making disciples, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Are you active in a small group? Just being active in a small group is a good way to walk, and you're going to have walking buddies. It's way nicer to go for a walk. Well, sometimes. Sometimes we need to go for a walk on our own just for the quiet and hear the birds chirp and not yell at children. But a lot of the times it's great to have a walking buddy, right? To go on a walk with somebody, have a conversation while you're walking. A small group is a great way to do that. And just like toddlers learning to walk, problems are going to rise. People are going to fall down. You know, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it's not on your notes. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Wait, everybody falls? Everybody falls. All of us. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you know what's great? 
It's so great because God has put people around us. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, also not on your notes, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Also in Proverbs 17, 17, it says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. How many of you have had adversity in your life, in your walk, and you've had a brother or a sister walk alongside you through that adversity. I can think of times in my life where I've been struggling and I've had people in my life pull me aside and say, hey, we need to get together. Let's get together and talk about stuff. Bob and Faye have done that for me. When I lost my cousin and my grandma within two weeks of each other and I was struggling, they pulled me and Cassie aside and said, come over, let's have a cup of coffee. Or when I was struggling in my walk, trying to raise a family and run a ministry and do all this stuff, and I was caught between two rocks and three hard places, Alan pulled me aside and said, hey, we need to talk. Gary has pulled me aside and said, we need to talk. I have all these people in my life that have pulled me aside and said, we're going to walk with you through this. Frodo had um, Samwise. And that, was, that was a hard walk. I'm not calling any of you hobbits in this room right now. If anybody's the hobbit, it's my feet. But we need to have people walking with us. Walking is hard. And there are some people in this room that have given up on trying. It's easier to be carried. It's easier for other people to do the walking. As older brothers and sisters, we need to be willing to get messy while those around us are beginning to walk. Spiritual knees are going to get scraped and heads are going to get bumped. Who are you working with? Who are you working with? Who are you walking alongside with? Is there somebody in your life that you're walking with? Our small group, our small group is not small. There is no way in my schedule I could get with every single guy in my small group. But I have a group of guys that I talk with, that I message with, and I encourage them to get with other guys. I have a small, small group of guys. I also have a small group of guys I get with on Saturday. We're all leaders in this church, and we want to walk together because if we're not walking together as leaders in this church and making sure that we're healthy, this church is not going to be healthy. If you're not walking with a group of people and you're not being healthy, this church is not going to be healthy. It doesn't rest on leadership. If any part of your body is hurt or sick, your whole body is hurt and sick. The head of the church, which is Jesus, knows when the rest of the body is hurt and sick and the whole body is affected. So if you are not walking with somebody, if you are not being healthy, what can you change? What are you doing intentionally to grow closer to God? Are you still crawling or being carried? I want you to ask yourself, where am I? Am I not there yet in this or through it? Really want to ask yourself, am I, is my growth spiritually stunted? Are you walking? Now, originally, I only had two points for today's lesson. Um, I told you last week I had three because, you know, I had already worked on it. But originally I only had two points and God kept poking me. You know, yeah. How many of you get poked by God? I get poked by God. Most of the time it's up the side the back of the head because I'm, I'm dense sometimes. My wife will attest to that. And I, it's, it's got to be a good prod. And he's like, you're missing a step. You're missing a step. And, it, it, and I, I really was studying. I was like, oh, I need to add that step. So I added it. The, the, we walk, so first we are born, then we eat solid food, then we're walking. Number four, we start running. We start running. I didn't have this one in there, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. On your notes, I only have verse 1, but I'm going to read the first 13 verses because I like reading Scripture, and nobody in here is going to tell me you read too much Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says... Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and underline this. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you not forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. For it is discipline you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of the spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peace fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping heads and strengthen your knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint. So after we've gotten the hang of walking, we can start running. Have you ever presented an idea to a group of people, maybe your boss or somebody in charge of something? And you presented the idea, and they liked it. So what did they tell you? Run with it. Run with it. What does that mean, to run with it? That means you're qualified and capable to implement and take care of whatever your idea was. I had this great idea. Whiffle cream ball. Take wiffle balls and fill them with shaving cream. And when you hit it, the shaving cream goes all over you. And it was going to be a great idea. I had, I planned it out. I bought all these wiffle balls. I filled them all with shaving cream. And I had, I was the pitcher. I had the stack of wiffle balls filled with shaving cream. You know, I'd pitch it. And we were out in this parking lot and the teens would hit it. And it was great. Until the teens found my cans of shaving cream, and it was no longer wiffle cream ball. It was just spray everybody with shaving cream, which was fine. Also, the video popped up on my Facebook feed this week, and it reminded me of it. And there's a young man who is no longer with us, and um, he has this mohawk. And I'm like, oh, Jake. That was such a good memory of Jake. And it, it was fun. But I've had other ideas. That one flopped. I've had other ideas that were good, and I ran with it. That's the only type of running I do. I run with my ideas. This doesn't run. Um, God is telling us who are mature to run with a few things. And being able to run implies some stuff. It implies some things. If you are able to run, there are people in this room who are runners. Nothing's chasing them. They just enjoy it. Uh, but they, they go on runs. They go on marathons. They go on whatever Ks. I, if i got to go to that far, I'll drive. But... Um, that's okay, to each their own. But being able to run with something applies a few things. One, you're sure-footed and you have a good foundation. You're sure-footed. You, you don't fall over easily and you can run with it and you have this good foundation. It also implies that you are physically fit and able. You're fit and able to run. Um, like I said, I am not physically fit and able to run for long distances. A short sprint, I got you. But... Ugh. It also implies that you have a direction and a focus. So my friends who run, they have a direction and they have a focus. They know where the finish line is. They know what they're doing. If I'm running, that means there's something chasing me bigger than I can punch in the face. That's my direction and focus if I'm physically running. Spiritually, I'm a marathon runner. Spiritually, God has developed me. But physically, oh my gosh. Runners can clear the way for walkers. Um, that's saying something. Runners can clear the way for walkers. I, I've heard of people who wanted to start running a specific route and they had to clear a path so that they could run that, that route. 
They had to make sure all the sticks and twigs and rocks were out of their way so there wasn't going to be anything to trip them up. That made a good path for walkers. So the people coming up behind you, if you're a runner, you're making it easier for those walkers behind you. Um, I read a lot out of chapter 12 of Hebrews because there's, there's some stuff in like discipline and endure hardship. And you're like, why are we reading this when we're talking about running? I, I, I understand running's painful, but this is weird. Well, there's a reason I want to read it. In uh, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Talking about endurance and suffering in, in Hebrews. Talking about discipline. Discipline isn't fun. But I know this about people who are runners. Is they are disciplined. And running takes some suffering. I can run a little bit and then I'm dying because I'm out of breath and out of shape. There's pain in running. Suffering produces endurance. You need to have endurance to run. But endurance produces character. And character produces hope. There's another growth chart right there. Suffering to endurance, endurance to character, and character to hope. Where are you right now? All of us here are somewhere on this training regiment. Brand new Christians, those just being born, they're probably coming down from the mountaintop. They're either experiencing a little bit of suffering or about to. People who've been walking a little while, you're probably building up your endurance so that you can produce more character. Those of us who are running, I mean, we're all, we're all here somewhere. I've been through this training regiment more times than I care to, care to. I don't like suffering. Nobody likes suffering. But it's a part of life. And without it, we don't get the endurance that it takes to be a runner. We don't get the endurance that it takes to produce character. And that character produces hope. And not just hope for us in this room, but for hope for everybody outside this building. For those of us that are runners, that we're running with it. What can you be doing to develop your running skills? It might involve you talking to your small group leader or your ministry leader like, hey, how can I become a runner spiritually? I'm not encouraging anybody to go out and run 5K. But if you want to do that, that's fine. I just, like I said, I don't run. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, it says this, Do you not know that in a race all runners run? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wealth, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. If you are running, if you're in this running stage, run to honor your Father in heaven. Run that you bring glory to Him. We're not, we're not in a race to win something for ourselves. We're not running to bring glory to us. I don't spiritually run to bring glory to Mike D. I want to honor my Father in heaven. And if, if I am better at this stage, if I am better at being a spiritual runner, it's going to help me in the next one. The last stage we're going to talk about, it's another weird one. It's planting and harvesting. So the fifth stage of Christian maturity is planting and harvesting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, it says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, 
but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Are you planting? Are you harvesting? And what I mean is, are you planting seeds of faith in those around you? And when it's time, are you harvesting that crop? So often in Scripture, we are taught about a field. And God is looking for workers to work that field. There should be physical growth. There should be fruit to pick. The Spirit grows those around us. And it requires work. I'm going to read a passage. Most everybody knows this passage But I'm going to read it with the idea of planting and harvesting. It's Acts 2, 42 through 47. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Acts chapter 2, they are planting and harvesting. It doesn't say that they're planting and harvesting, but you can see the seeds being planted. And at the end of that passage, there was a harvest. People were being added to their number daily, those who were being saved. There's planting and harvesting going on all around. And I know that it seems like a jump, going from walking and running to making babies. That's essentially what I'm saying. We're going from walking and running to making babies. When uh, Blythe was little... She started losing her teeth, and she got really excited the first time she lost her tooth. And she came up to me, and she's like, Dad, 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 look, I lost a tooth. I was like, that's fantastic. It's disgusting. But that's fantastic. I'm so happy for you that you lost your tooth. Yeah, Dad. So then I'm going to get another tooth. Look, this one's wiggly. This one's wiggly. I'm going to get another tooth. It's going to get loose, and it's going to fall out. I'm like, yeah, that's what happens. She goes, and then all my teeth are going to get loose. They're all going to fall out. I'm going to get married and have baby. What? We missed a whole lot of life there. There's a lot that happens in between getting all adult teeth and having a baby. Can we slow down? But that's kind of the jump I'm making here this morning. I was terrified then. But when you think about it, there's a, there's a big responsibility going from running to planting and harvesting. And it can be overwhelming. It can be terrifying. But it doesn't have to be. You see, discipling is a multiplying ministry. There's a book titled that. You should read it. It's good. We're commanded to go and make disciples. As you grow, you should be looking to plant seeds of faith in the lives of those around you. And also, there may be some harvest that's ripe for the picking. And what I mean by that is there could be somebody who has been, there's been a seed planted in their life, and God has watered it, and now it's time for somebody to come along and say, hey, have you thought about getting baptized? Have you thought about giving your life to Christ? And then that person can be added to our number, and daily the church can grow. We're all supposed to be farmers. That means that the church is supposed to be working in the fields around us. And I gotta let you know, for the last, uh, 20-ish years, I've been working in a ministry that planting and harvesting is really hard. And what I mean by that is you don't always get to harvest the seeds that you plant. 
I think about like stories like Johnny Appleseed where he planted all these trees, but how many apples did he get to eat from them? Because he was just planting and planting and planting. And I've had conversations with some older brothers about how, you know, that's not always true, but junior high and high school ministry is a lot of planting and a lot of watering. And sometimes it doesn't feel like there's a lot of harvest. But I've been around long enough to see the harvest. I've been around long enough to see these itty-bitty little kids that come into the junior high ministry and now are growing up and now they are planting and they are watering and they are productive adult members in this church. And I've got to see that. And it's awesome. And if we just keep working the ground that God has given us, we can plant and we can harvest and we can grow. In all of this, I'm saying to you, not the church. Not the church. I'm not saying the church should be making disciples. I'm saying you should be making disciples. It doesn't rest on the guy who's standing up here or the worship team or the ministry leader. It's you. The week after I was baptized, I was in a study. I was, I've studied with people on my own. I've baptized people. The people I have baptized have baptized people. And that's exciting. Disciples making disciples. That is exciting. The church growing. The harvest coming to maturity. Us reaping what has been sown. I want to ask you, have you studied with somebody in the last year? Are you equipped to study with someone? Are you willing to study with someone? Are you willing to open up Scripture and talk about, hey, this is what God says for your life. This is what God wants for your life. He wants you to have a better life. John 10.10, Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. That is so encouraging. Even now, as somebody who's been a Christian for over 20 years, it's, I still love that. God wants me to have that full life that he intends for me. It's because I'm walking and I'm running with him. I want to ask you, are you on your own spending time in God's word daily? I, I debated whether or not telling you this little tidbit, but other people have encouraged me. I once took a challenge to spend every day in God's, God's word. Because, you know, I just, like three out of five days is pretty good, right? Three out of five days. Four out of seven five out of seven. That's pretty good to be in God's word every day. And I was challenged. Are you really growing in your faith? Are you really relying on God? Are you knowing what the scriptures say? That was over six years ago. I have not missed a day since. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to say, tell you it's possible. And I'm not telling you every morning I'm having this "Ah," moment with God. Some days it's like, I think I need more coffee. I'm not awake yet. What is going on? But like this morning, I'm in Corinthians. There was something that just popped. God gives me white rabbits to chase. I don't know about you when you're studying scripture, but all of a sudden a white rabbit will pop up and like, I'm going to follow that. I love God like that. He, He knows me. He knows that my brain works weird. And he's like, right here, look at that. Look at that. Like, I, did, I once did a character study on a, on a person in Scripture because I kept seeing his name, and his name was really weird. His name's Obed-Edom. If you really want to look, look up Obed-Edom. You can, he's in the Old Testament. I actually did a Father's Day sermon on him a long time ago. I don't know when that was. You can look it up. But it's a Father's Day sermon on Obed-Edom. And if you want to do a character study, he is a really cool person. But that's how my brain works. God shows me little things in Scripture, and I want to study it. Are you in God's Word? Are you daily in God's word? Are you praying? I had a hard time praying with God because my brain doesn't work that way. It's, I can't just sit there and focus on one thing. There's like 30 songs playing, 15 web pages open, and where's the movie at? There's a movie playing somewhere. That's how my brain works. It's hard to focus. But Alan showed me an app one day called If 714, and it's Second Chronicles 714 is the passage it's based on, and twice a day it gives you a prayer prompt not always the best prayer prompt they have their own little agenda it seems like sometimes but it really gets me reminds me i need to pray at least twice a day 
are, is that where your struggle is? There are things and apps and people out there who are willing to walk alongside you or run alongside you and help you in your walk, help you grow and mature. Are you involved in a small group? I could not be as strong of a Christian as I am now if I hadn't been involved in small groups. It's impossible for me personally to walk this life without a group of people around me. And as we close today, I want to remind you that at every stage of Christian development, there's opportunity to grow. I want you to take stock of your journey. Next year at uh, Jumpstart, they talked about the, the theme when we were there in August. And next year's theme is called Leveling Up. And I took the opportunity because uh, Zach was saying how, think about your journey and when you've leveled up. And when we got back, I wrote it out. I wrote out my journey. And I was like, leveling up. And I was like, here's where I leveled up. Oh, wait, here's another place where I leveled up. Here's another place where I leveled up. And it's all about growth. And I wrote out, I have this stack of paper sitting on my, my dresser right now of all the times that I saw in my life where God helped me grow and God matured me and made me a stronger Christian. Honestly, look at your life. Look at your life and see where you've been growing or where you should be growing. Take stock. Because when you grow and when I grow, we will grow. Not only will we mature, but we'll grow in number. There won't just be 150-something people in this room. If that's how many people are here today, I don't know. There won't just be us. There won't just be this group of people. It'll be, there'll be more. When we are growing, we are going to grow. And I want to challenge you. Where are you? And it's okay to be in the beginning stage if you're a baby. It's okay to be there. It's okay to be craving that solid food right now. It's okay to be a walker. It's okay to be a runner. It's not okay to stay the same. That's where the problem comes. And I want to encourage you. In your bulletin, there is a prayer card. It's just a way, it's a communication card. It's a way for us to be in contact with you. There's a, an option to have a, a prayer for you. Our prayer team is awesome. They pray over every card. If it's something that's personal, you can check confidential. Nobody's going to share it and talk about it. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to pray. We're going to have a song, um, give you opportunity to fill out those cards. You're going to see our members putting an offering in the back. If you're a guest here, we did not ask you to come to get something from you. That's not why we wanted you to come to church. Not about that. It's about giving you something. We want you to hear from Jesus today. And I hope you did. I hope you heard from Jesus today. But if you have questions about this church, there's opportunity to look for studies. There's, there's opportunity to get more information on that card. And just check it. Put the card in the offering plate in the back on those white tables as you leave. And if you have questions that need answers, somebody will be in contact with you. As we move into this Christmas season, I hope God pours out his blessings on you and on this church. I hope we can grow together and mature together. We can grow up and not out. And that together we can advance the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our family here. Thank you so much for your son who came to this world. We're about to celebrate his birth. Father, the, the beginning of Christianity where he gave up his position in heaven to be born in a barn, to dwell among us, to be Emmanuel, to live a life with us, and to live a perfect life, but then to be killed because of us, to take our sin on that cross and to give up his life Father, thank you so much for him. Thank you so much for the season we are in where we get to celebrate him coming to this world. Help us, Father, as we go about the next few weeks to remember what we are here for. We are here to plant. We are here to harvest. We're here to grow, Father. We're here to grow personally. We're here to grow your kingdom. Father, I pray that those of us who are Christians in this room can take that to heart and that we can really think about where we are, Father. I pray for those that haven't given their life to Christ yet that they can seek out somebody to explain what I was talking about. That they can be born again. They can surrender their life at the waters of baptism. They can be united with you in your death, but more importantly, united with you in your life because you have conquered death. Be with us, Father, as we're getting ready for this holiday season. 
and help us to grow. We love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. It is all said and done. There is just one thing that matters. Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? When it's all Show